So Nissan Leaf. Nissan Leaf. The 100% electric car that isn't fake. This sounds like, like an opening advert, <laughs> like on YouTube or something. Yeah. <laughs> totally. The Nissan Leaf. No, but 100% <laughs> legit. Not fake. But it's not fake. But you bought. What, what pushed you to buy one, Susie? Um, the price of petrol. <laughs> Actually, that's probably not. Was grossing idea. me out. <laughs> <laughs> and I live super far away from the city yep. and like well actually not even that far but it feels really far and every time I have to go to the city it's like 30 bucks or something and I'm like I can't do this and the train line where I live is down and it's been down for two years and I'm what? like okay what? I need wow. to do something about this where's it been down for yeah. two years yeah. not even a joke two years um well it's, I don't know, all the governments keep saying it's the other government, but apparently it was like they were going to make it electric. So they closed it and they were like, we're going to close it for three months to make it electric. And then three months happened and like there was no electric wires or anything. And they were like, yeah, no, nah, it's going to be longer. And then, they were, <laughs> and then they were like, we'll close it for another three months. And then they were like, oh, wait, it's probably going to be another six. And then they were like, oh, maybe another six. And then they were like, it's going to happen in April. And then just last week, they were like, nah, maybe June. Oh my <laughs> so they just keep God. pushing it back. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, really and they were up. like... You were electric before they did. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, isn't well, it? I got it now. Like. As long as the car actually gets here. <laughs> not too yeah, yeah. So tell yeah, us about the car, how, how this works. It's really cool. Um, so like I, I've got a weird thing where I don't like buying new things cause I feel like I contribute to like waste. So I like to buy like used things or like re recycle things. And I found out that in Japan, they sell their cars after they used them for like a short time because there's like a, a big test they have to get done after like three years and then they have to pay a lot of money to make sure their car's roadworthy. So quite often people just sell off their cars are like three years old and then buy a new one. So there's this, um, this whole market for like buying a car auction in Japan that's like three or more years old and you can get it like a lot cheaper than you can in Australia. And um, basically what you do is you get an agent and they bid on cars for you, um, get your car and then you kind of like got to apply for permits and stuff and yeah. get it on a boat over here. And it takes a long time, but I think it's going to be worth it. Does the government slug you with like tax when you do that? They make you pay GST when the car arrives, like based on your yeah. purchase price. But and you, you have to pay like a the luxury fee car to... tax. No, uh, you do if you buy an expensive one. But oh, okay. um, mine was quite cheap. So the Leaf is quite a cheap car, like compared to like Teslas and stuff, mm. which are other electric cars that are really expensive. Mm. So the Leaf, I think in Australia is like 55000 um to yeah, buy quite new. Expensive, yeah. yeah, and mine was uh, twenty. 2018, 2019 model, and I paid twenty six thousand Australian Whoa. at the auction, and then um, it's going to cost like another ten to get it over, so it's still like heaps cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> than, like new. Oh, but man. yeah, I just like that I'm not buying new too. Like I, that works better with my morals. <laughs> yeah. And it looks new. It's so pretty. They're cool. Yeah. The, 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 they got like what color is it? I've, I've seen they do like blue ones, like really nice blue ones. Um, I got the two tone, so the roof's like a dark blue, and oh, then the body's nice. like white. <laughs> oh man, that sounds. Yeah, crazy. I know. I was like to the the buyer's agent, please wait to get, like, please look for a two tone one. Yeah. Like, 
Can you change <laughs> the language at least, or do you have to learn Japanese? Or do you know Japanese? I've, I don't know Japanese, but... Um, you lived in Japan, was, didn't you? No, Hong Kong. I lived in Hong oh. Kong forever. <laughs> yeah. Too so bad it's canceled. in Japanese, sorry. But, um, but it does come in Japanese. You can pay to get it changed. I think it's like 600 bucks or so to get someone to change it. But um, it loses some functionalities if you change it. So I was going <laughs> to see so how I go learning like basic Japanese. And then yeah. if it's annoying, just like if I can't do it, then just get it changed. <laughs> That's so cool. That's cool. But I thought it'd be fun. You know, like watch more anime i got this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's gonna be cool anytime someone hops in your car it's like you'll be known as the person with the like the truly japanese car it's not it's not like just a japanese <laughs> yeah. import car i mean it it is it's but like truly yeah, not japanese. these poser mitsubishis yeah. <laughs> yeah people drive around this and sylvia's and stuff like that yeah, uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you get in the car and it just starts talking to you in japanese like <laughs> sumimasen <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, like I a, know so little Japanese. Turns into like a dating simulator or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> play games on the screen. Apparently yeah. in Teslas you can play games on the screen yeah. though. So I heard they, have, they do Witcher three on on there and things like that. Like pretty <laughs> oh intense God. and cup Cuphead as well. Yeah, pretty crazy. Oh really? Four, yeah. right? You just it, like you just driving? can't drive at the same time. Oh, I think it uses like, too much CPU. Yeah. <laughs> really? It feels like it'd be no, really I'm useful that up. That's if you're waiting to kick Audience, pick your that's kid not up. true. Like from <laughs> if you're waiting to pick your kid up or something, or just far up which you're Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a smart idea. Like, who else would have thought to put like AAA games on a you know a car? Like that. <laughs> same kind Doing of person. We're out on PC console <laughs> yeah. and car. And yeah. Same kind of person that would shoot that same car into outer space. <laughs> with the guy in it and take a picture. That is true, <laughs> yes. That is a good point, actually. Which is, it's a cool Did thing to do. that actually happen? Like, I heard that, yeah. but I don't know. Well, that happened. Look, if the moon landing the, the, happened, the, this uh, happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The myth is that the, there's actually a person in the spacesuit oh, and yeah, it's an enemy of yeah. Elon Musk's. And this was like the ultimate screw you to oh him. My He's God. Like, he has it on broadcast going around the world. And no one knows that there's actually a person in there. God. He's going to be like, one day I he's going to be like, like, it's what, true. Um, uh, Jeff Bezos was the first one in space because I sent him there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that video game where, oh, I think you got me to watch it, Susie. The... Where there's the dead people inside the spacesuits. Ah, oh, Tacoma. Tacoma, oh, that's, that's what it is. That game is so Have good. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah. No, I haven't heard oh, of that. It's amazing. You walk around the whole spaceship and you have to like piece together what happened. Ooh, so it's like a cool. Susanna, like, you know, walking simulator type. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, they're still alive, aren't they? Like their souls or whatever, like their, their memories, but they're like the bodies are just gone that kind, like of, yeah. that kind of reminds it's me it's like that. kind of spoilery have you seen that Doctor Who episode where they um, oh the library yeah the oh, library he turned out the lights <laughs> yeah 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 mm. he turned out the lights yeah oh, what, what are they called Vashta Narada <laughs> yeah mm. oh my god I mean so yeah cool the only thing that makes that is David Tennant yeah, David Tennant. He's yeah. so the best doctor. He like, is. God. Okay, well, there's, there's our question for our audience for this week. Ooh. Who's the best doctor? <laughs> who's the best, who's the best doctor? doctor? And it, it will always be whoever was the first doctor you saw. Oh, actually, that's not true. My first doctor is Christopher Eccleston, and I, I liked him, but... Was he, was he before David Tennant? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the first... Well, I started watching from there and then I watched, I think, until uh, Peter Capaldi. And I just started that. I haven't finished... How many seasons did, did he do? Peter Capaldi? Yeah. Well, like three. I, never, I didn't watch his. Probably like three. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have I to watch his. I take to his so much. Nah. I like Jodie Whittaker. She was pretty good. Yeah, I got to watch yeah. that actually as well. She got let down by bad writing, I think. Like it just yeah. Like there was no like connect. That's what I found at least. I was just like, why am I watching? Like, like they, I don't know. They they tried to do something completely radical, and they were like, every here's a whole bunch of new things, and like, but no, no, no. Maybe I'm messing that up. I don't know, but the writing just wasn't great. But she yeah. was great. She she. It's it's like yeah, she got mm. let down. That's a shame. Anyway, right, welcome sorry. to <laughs> Cafe Bullions, everyone. <laughs> I'm John. Uh, we've got Costa, Alex, and Susie here. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed our Ooh. rambling. Um, this is what we do when we're not recording, <laughs> so we thought we'd let you in on some of it. Um, but for our first article today, we have Alex Ferrabetta. Take us away. All right. Well, this is a part of a throwback because we were talking, I don't know how many episodes ago, about um, Apple's thirty percent, yeah, the <laughs> um, Apple's thirty percent uh, cut on the App Store and Epic getting angry at them and you know not wanting to be a part of that. Well, a news story has come out this week that Meta, formerly Facebook, plans to take nearly fifty percent cut on all virtual asset sales in the in its. Metaverse, which is um, Meta, uh, not, not, uh, Horizon Worlds, it's called. Um, wow. So there's a bit to unpack with this. So basically, they're going to take 47.5% cut on all virtual assets sold in Horizon Worlds. It was the article that we linked to got clarified because originally they thought it was just NFTs, but it's everything. So it doesn't matter if it's NFTs, it doesn't matter if it's someone makes an avatar, I guess. I don't know. That's another thing to worth note is that um, Horizon Worlds isn't available in Australia. It's only in the US and Canada, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 47.5% fee is split oh, excuse me, into a 30% platform fee for games and apps on the MetaQuest store and a 17.5% fee that Horizon Worlds is charging. And what makes this interesting is that Mark Zuckerberg has been critical of Apple's 30% cut on the App Store. So back in August 2020... Facebook released a feature um, for businesses to host virtual events, which was a response to the pandemic. Um, uh, But Apple was still going to charge their 30% fee. So Facebook was like, bruh, these are people in a pandemic. These are small businesses. You can't just take the 30% from them. It's not fair. Apple tried to convince them to waive the fee. Um, Apple said no. So then Facebook tried to warn the um, creators and whoever runs the virtual events and then Apple blocked their messages. Um, And then Facebook offered to pay the 30% to cover the costs. Um, But Apple said no. Um, But then the next month they agreed to pause. So this is in 2020. They agreed to pause for three months, the 30% fee. Um, Gaming creators aren't covered in this, by the way. So anyone who was using the platform for gaming on Facebook, they were still paying the 30% fee. Um, Facebook actually planned to introduce their own fees though, I guess before the pandemic, because all this stuff gets planned in advance. Anyway, then in June, 2021, Mark Zuckerberg stated um, that the Facebook creator tools will be free until 2023. I think they were, it was about June, they were gonna cover the costs for, and now they've gone, we're gonna do it till 2023. Probably didn't realize how long the pandemic was gonna go for. 
Um, at which point, yeah, the platform will take a 30% cut. Um, so yeah, it's, um, so now they're bringing, so yeah, so he'd been vocal that Apple took too much. They're like, oh, when we do introduce fees, it's not gonna be as much as um, uh, Apple's 30%. And now there's, they're charging 47.5%. Um, there's a few articles I was reading to cover this thing basically. But the idea is the introduction of monetization is going to allow Meta to compete with YouTube and Twitch and um, the other Metaverse products um, by letting it have a, an economy. And interestingly, this is a real interesting stat, right? Citibank, which is an American bank, I think, estimates that the Metaverse economy by 2030 will be worth somewhere between eight and $13 trillion. Now for some context, the Australian, the, like the value of Australia, like our, what do you call it, GDP or whatever, mm. is 1.5 trillion. <laughs> so by 2030, the metaverse will be worth five times Australia. Yeah, wow. same country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they want to monetize so they can get some traction in it by the sounds of things. Anyway, so Meta stated that the fee will apply to all created content, including NFTs, which has angered the, the NFT community. Because they, someone, there was some Twitter post that said, um, if you plan to introduce a 47.5% fee, you've got to talk to the IRS because uh, they said after taxes, they don't even get that much of a cut. Yeah. Um, other NFT marketplaces are only taking around 2% of a cut. Yep. So I got my little dot points here to sum it up because that was a lot of uh, Alex talking right then. But basically Facebook's been critical of fees affecting small businesses during the pandemic. Not really so much for gaming creators. Although that's not true. That's only for iOS. Android, I think it's waived. Oh, no, no, iOS, it's waived. Android, it's not. Um, Facebook's introduced a 47 point... Sorry, Meta has introduced a 47.5% fee for all virtual assets sold in Horizon Worlds, including NFTs. And that the Metaverse is predicted to be worth more than five times the Australian economy by 2030. That's a lot. Let's <laughs> see. <That's> <laughs> I read that and I go, did did someone like put out the wrong memo or something? Because I feel like the person who made that announcement would be like sweating <laughs> as they hit submit. <laughs> like the no, uh, you you would have to be from Citibank. No, well, um, whoever announced it from Meta, basically. So oh, the forty seven. Yeah. So whoever's yeah. the person that like submitted that Facebook post or whatever <laughs> announcing it, it'd just be like yeah. there is no way the person who submits that would would not know that that's gonna get backlash <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge cut 47.5 percent. the thing that irks me with it it's just like this is all based on the premise that people will a be using facebook uh or horizon worlds and b be creating things to sell in horizon worlds but all of that comes down to just is it fun? Will people want to be there when there's all these other, uh, you know, games and platforms out there? Like, yeah. wh why is someone going to jump from playing Roblox to playing Horizon Worlds? Like, you know, th that's the that's the thing at the basic, uh, at the basic level. And mm. frankly, like from what I've heard, it it's not the best uh, game or experience um, as compared that, to that other things. Like that ridiculous cut. That's like like the Roblox one is pretty bad. Mm. Like what is it? The Roblox one they take they take thirty percent. Yeah, well. But 
they don't let you cash out the money you've earned until you earn up to like it's like two hundred dollars of real world money uh, right. value. Oh wow! Otherwise, you can only spend it in Robux. <laughs> Mm. so like back into the platform again so yeah. kids like who Predatory. are building in Roblox are like yeah yeah it's, it's really I, I guess because they would probably have to pay for all the international transfers and stuff like that so if they're letting you cash out one dollar that one dollar is probably chewed up in <laughs> transaction fees or something yeah. I, don't, I don't know I'm just speculating yeah but surely it can't be like 47% you're, you're not incentivizing right. people wanting to go to your platform you, you, and, and that's the thing you, are you incentivizing people to go there just to make money? Like people that go on Roblox, yeah. are they going there to make money? No, they're going there to like make fun experiences. Well, and, probably a know, lot of people are actually. I reckon just going to make money and like you think so? yeah, okay. and especially yes. like Robots? obviously not everyone in the NFT space is, but that's definitely part of the hype. I know, I know for, for sure. artists, for sure. musicians, the hype was like finally a place where we can get paid properly for our creations. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, mm. and then it, then it was pretty much like a whole lot of people just trying to make instant money and not versions. really making <laughs> much art. But yeah, yeah. I, I and like what happened yeah. with Roblox is they've got that like they've got this really weird model where like the seller gets like like Roblox gets thirty percent, the creator of the item gets like thirty percent, but the seller of the item gets like forty or whatever the rest is. So like they've got this marketplace now where like you can sell other people's gear. And like you get um, more than the creator of than the, the creator. thing, yeah. yeah. <coughs> so like that's get something like that will happen in this. Surely it'll just be people hawking other people's gear over and yeah. over, right? You, you and and it's interesting because like the promise of a lot of these like metaverse things is the fact that you will be able to, you know, things will be decentralized and you'll be able to sell your stuff to another person and have you know minimal interaction with like a third party. But this seems like the shift is just going from the power in you know one company into another company like facebook meta you know yeah it's not really like at 47 percent of of a fee that's not really incentivizing me to sell to to you know another person directly like you're getting slugged 47 percent fee to do that mm. and um mark zuckerberg you can see his actual facebook post in the past his when he criticizes apple and stuff like that he says um, you know, we want to create a place where content creators can rely on this, basically. Like, I don't know if he says it in this many words, but basically he's saying yeah. this can be their income. This can do all this stuff. Like, the world doesn't even exist yet. And he's already, it's already making a sweatshop, you know? Like, <laughs> yep. I mean, the, I, I understand that, like, it makes sense when you're selling the the Oculus Quest or Meta Quest now, because you obviously have to, you know, offset the um, the the hardware cost involved with that. But when it comes to just like another percentage on top of that, it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense. We have two Johns in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oops. Now we have no Johns. Sorry, but can, can you still hear me? We can hear you, yeah. we can't see. No, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, so I'm using a new... Well, if people have listened to the last episode, they would have seen me get knocked out because I was using this real cheap Wi-Fi dongle since I've moved house. Uh, I've upgraded uh, to a more expensive one and I have not had a single problem with it up until tonight, apparently. So. Yeah, the streaming so, really uh, tests it, doesn't it? It does. A- apologies about that. I will keep working out my internet for future episodes, but uh, please do go on. <laughs> um, yeah, and I thought it was interesting, the... Uh the NFT aspect of it when they're saying 
Costa, you'd know way more than I would about this because I literally just know what the star point says, which is that um, 47.5% for NFTs because they're saying that um, the other marketplaces take around 2% of a cut. So that's like, I, I guess what, like OpenSea and stuff like that? Yeah, OpenSea. Um, and that the tax they get slugged with because they're saying the IRS, this is in America, they're saying, well, you've got to talk to the IRS if you're going to take 47.5% because someone's someone's Twitter post said, you can find it online, it said that they don't uh, make enough to even cover that, which makes you think, how much are you getting slugged if you sell an NFT, like in tax? Like, that they're not going to be left with 52.5% or something? As in, if you're using this on, on, on Horizon Worlds... Yeah, I yeah I don't know if I'm misinterpreting, but I think what they were just saying is it's just a higher percentage than the IRS. Would yeah, take. yeah, yeah. So, so this oh, like then your actual tax. Yeah. I so I don't I don't know what IRS tax is. Hey, audience, go look this up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wake up in the news. Let's get an accountant. <laughs> we'll get an accountant on your next phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do we have it? Is there a game accountant that deals in games? There's a uh, accounting plus plus or whatever that game's really? called. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you play yeah. that, we're all accountants. But you know, the, the the interesting thing that I saw in the article as well was the fact that like people are already spending a lot of money on land and you know land in virtual games and metaverse, a sandbox and stuff like that. Yeah, like sandbox just makes a bunch of of um, money selling land, and a lot of um, mm. NFT games are, are doing that. Uh, like Snoop Dogg bought some land, or he someone even spent what he did. Someone spent <laughs> money to buy next to Snoop Dogg's NFT land, they, they spent about $450,000. Yeah. Which is almost as much as he paid. He paid 500000 Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, I just think there's just so much going on at the moment. But isn't the, that yeah. idea, though, that you're saying, I'm selling land? Aren't you just saying, I'm selling service space? So didn't he just buy, like, a giant chunk of OneDrive or Google Drive? Like, it's, it's kind it's, of... But it's they're calling it land? Like, <laughs> well, no, it's actual land, like, in the virtual world. Because uh, I tried out, uh, not Sandbox, but I tried out uh, Decentraland, I think it was. Mm. It was another one, um, very briefly. And it's kind of like, imagine, like, an MMO where you can own a bit of land, which, you know, if you're next to Snoop Dogg, you'd have heaps of people kind of in that area. So it's yeah. like... It's actually prime real estate just in a virtual world. <laughs> it sounds like that part of the Old Republic that I didn't like very much where you kid out your house. <laughs> oh, I haven't well, played Old Republic yet. But a lot of it is around, like, you can buy <laughs> land, but in these games like Sandbox, they're waiting for people to build things on that land and then to, yeah. to use it for something. Um, and, I, yeah. like, that's, that's the thing that is the bubble where... Will if people create things on that land that is valuable, like an experience or a game or something that um, you know is fun or it will attract people there, then people will be there. But in other cases, it'll it'll deflate. Um, so you know that's the, that's the kind of hype at the moment around it. Um, you know, Illuvium, where I am, they're selling land as well, but the land has a different purpose where it uh, generates fuel if you own it that you can then either on sell to other people in the game or you can use yourself in the game to do things like travel and um, capture illuvials or you know pokemon and that kind of stuff uh, you can also if you have a certain tier of land you can host 
battles in your own arena and host tournaments in your own kind of land. I moved into a safe neighborhood. Yeah. Like cockfighting <laughs> going on over here. You know, so it, it, like, and, that, and I think th- these, are, these are things that we'll see um, that will kind of dictate what's successful and what isn't. If it, if it has some purpose and people flock to it, then it'll be useful and, and worth it. But, but if so it's just this thing of like selling land and hoping people build things on there. To, uh, bridge, to yeah. bridge that with what Susie said about Old Republic, you said Old Republic has something about decking out the house, right? So I'm guessing the connection is Old Republic is an online game that anyone can access at any time and anyone can go to your house and see how you decorated it, right? I think yep. so. I wasn't really huge on building. They were called strongholds, and you're like, mm, I do the more that. coins you got, yeah, the more stuff you get. Yeah. And I like, I, I remember I started decking mine out with like purple velvet stuff. I'm like making it all cool, but then I lost interest, and I, I don't know what you could actually do with it. So what stops that? Or say the Sim, just say Sims Five is like Sims Online, right? And they're like, here is empty blocks of land on the Sims. Design your own art, chuck it up. If you're Coca Cola, you can chuck a billboard on there. Yeah whatever does that just make the metaverse work or this this sandboxing this uh does that just make it virtually worthless because i can go do that over here for free so if i do that i'm gonna have a larger audience because i don't have to pay five hundred thousand dollars well the incentive comes back to nfts essentially and they're kind of them being collector's items and and people wanting to make money off them or feeling i guess more attached to them because they're rarer or something like that so Mm. So, so it only be, has it would be value a different if audience. the platform. Yeah, if, if the, the platform, platform has value, has it, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. If people and, go and if there, everything and play is there. It, yeah, it's it's kind of like Facebook is now. So I mean, I, what is it? Three of us here have now disabled our Facebooks, but still use Messenger. Um, <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> because Facebook. yeah, the yeah, mine's uh, so it's same. Like it's, because <laughs> don't we don't <laughs> really want to be on Facebook, but because everyone we know is kind of on there, it's why we still use Messenger. You Messenger, so, yeah. So it's. I was gonna say because this article and the almost fifty percent thing strikes me as like Facebook obviously have done this before and you know they've had the whole world kind of come to them and they've kind of let's say let's call it arrogance in this case mm. <laughs> they've got the arrogance now to say it and they remind me of let, let's say like the poker player right who thinks they're really good uh, but everyone else thinks they're crap and so <laughs> this poker player now tries to like bluff their way saying they have like a really good hand but all the other players know that they don't probably have a good hand because they all know they're a crappy player so it's like (laughs) i say this i know because i am that i am that poker player when i play which is i'm terrible (laughs) walking Um, with the mirror aviators just showing everyone your cards (laughs) pretty much it's smiling um but so it's like they probably think they can get away with this because it's like oh yeah you know everyone's already plugged into facebook and everyone will come back and whatever that's a good point I, it feels a little detached to the real yeah. world. It, it's detached because, I mean, and then that's probably why they changed their name from Facebook to Meta. Because, like, even when I had the Oculus, having to reactivate my Facebook account was just a huge turn off for me. I was like, oh, yeah. I kind of yeah, almost had to think about thing. it. Yeah, I was kind of like, do I really want to reactivate my Facebook account just to access the, you know, this VR headset? It has nothing to do with, like, what is what is my yeah. Facebook account got to do with like this whole other different experience? So I can understand from their perspective why they chose to now separate all these different things, um, but still it's there. You know, it's Facebook at the end of the day, and the disconnect is like it's always Facebook. You know, Horizon Worlds and Facebook is probably. I mean, I'm really making an assumption here, but it's 
primarily older, uh, an older audience as opposed to, uh, you know, these, at least these experiences like Roblox and that kind of stuff, which tends to be a younger audience. So there is that dis disconnect, you know, between the two. Facebook's now for letting everyone know that you're not educated on vaccines. <laughs> and other boomer things. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. Well, I mean, you know, Instagram is part of uh, Meta, and that's, you know. That's a young person's game. That's a young person's yeah. game. Surprisingly. Well, yeah. Yeah, we built that platform. <laughs> Having said this, by the way, this is one thing I can't actually speak on is that outside of the, let's say, Western world, uh, I. Facebook might actually be doing a lot better. I know they say that it is. And I can tell you when I was over in uh, Mexico, WhatsApp was like the app that everyone used for messaging. Oh. Uh, but to the point where businesses would have the WhatsApp logo next to their mobile number or whatever on the big signage out the front. Um, it's oh, just that ingrained. That. And, and so, yeah. and Facebook, well, Meta owns WhatsApp and has for mm. a while now. So mm. um, and I, I don't think that's just Mexico. I think that's actually similar possibly a lot of uh, Latin America and possibly Europe as well. So Yeah, they, yeah. a lot of, like, it's the Western world. The Western world has a very different, from what I've heard, a very different online experience than other places. Like, talking to a friend of mine who's from, I don't want to mess this up, he's from Malaysia. He was saying um, websites are, like, for every small business here, you know to have a website he's like that's a pretty western thing he goes over there they just do facebook pages like mm. everyone has a the businesses do that they don't have to pay for it and as yeah, you right. said they use whatsapp to do all their messaging like it's a i think how we do it is yeah see it a very different world well, well it's interesting because there's 50 percent say cut on horizon worlds in comparison to the things that facebook have done before to try to get you know user acquisition like for example, you know they 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 gave away their platform like for free with no ads or any t ad targeting for for years mm. just to accumulate that amount of of people and even went to the extent of building internet infrastructure in like third world countries and partnering with the mobile providers to give Facebook for free, all in the hopes that it would boost its you know user acquisition, which it did. And now we see things like fifty percent cut on virtual assets sold in Horizon Worlds. If the goal was to sell things. Um, you know, if your goal is to sell things and make money off of it, why would you flock to Horizon Worlds to do that, mm. given that you've got a 47% mm. cut on it? And and, and what yeah. will uh, Meta do to incentivize that? And yeah, I mean, it all comes down to like, why are people going to be there? Is it going to be something that people want to be on? Um, and tying it back to Susie's stronghold on Old Republic, you know, if it was boring, it was boring. Susie That's Stronghold why is there. a great name for something. <laughs> Susie Stronghold. <laughs> Susie Stronghold. That's like, like, that's like something band. if like the world turns into... Um, what's that game called? Uh, Fallout? Yeah. <laughs> Susie Stronghold. And Boolean splits off into different factions. you got Susie Stronghold. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be the brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> the brotherhood of the... Uh, the denim this? jacket brotherhood. The denim which, jacket brother. Which, uh, we all if, know they're called Bruce Springsteen jackets. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, check out the, the beautiful art by Alex Ferrabetta uh, for this yeah. episode. And you can see <laughs> the pixel version of what we're all wearing. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Well, so how much would Guerrilla Games be spewing right now? So they made Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. And then Facebook's like... We have Horizon Worlds. And they're like, ah, oh, I was going to say that one. <laughs> That's going to be that MMO. 
<laughs> yeah, they're like, this isn't us. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. They, they get overshadowed so hard by everything. The first game came out and... Um, what was the game that came out in 2017 when Horizon Zero Dawn came out and just like completely overshadowed was them? Was it God of War? I think it was God of War, but then... and Well, was that with the second... Yeah, because yeah, 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 then the it was God of War and then Forbidden West came out and it was um, Elden Ring. Oh, like, yeah. Over, oh. Full on overshadowed it. And now we've got Horizon Worlds. <laughs> My, mind you, uh, the Horizon games aren't exactly doing badly. I'm pretty yeah. sure they've won a few awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. Speaking of awards, all right. Uh, how the hell do you segue into that? Oh, Spe- right. Speaking we- of companies taking over everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we could do Susie's because that, that that is an award. Oh one. yeah, because that's we'll- oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of awards, don't make um- that look, Costa. You completely skipped over the second story. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I knew I knew there was a story with awards, and I was like, I'm going to link to that. Uh <laughs> Custer's done his homework. Susie. Previously on the podcast, we've talked about unpacking um, that cool game where you unpack boxes. And um, really excitingly, that um, it actually won two big prizes at the BAFTA Games Awards in the UK. Um, wow. It won Best Narrative mm. and Game of the Year, which is really exciting. Um, so how cool is that and mm. you know what is amazing about that too best narrative being won by an environmental story narrative yeah, yeah. that is cool that is mm. so cool in your face Hideo Kojima <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah, but like I just that's yeah. amazing right like that it's a like Huge. it's a game that you wouldn't like maybe people wouldn't traditionally go oh that's a narrative game but like as we know well, games have narratives and that's a cool one and it it works. Yeah, and and when you yeah, and in the article it mentions, you know, it went up against some some pretty big heavyweights, um, such as like Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and and that's such a, I've been playing that, and that's such a huge game with you know voice acting and all this kind of stuff, um, that you yeah. you know traditionally mm. think of as narrative, and to beat that, that's that's a huge achievement. They've had yeah, such a huge a following studio. for so long. Like you go on their, tw- I remember going on their Twitter, I think. <clears throat> Uh, probably two years before the game came out and um, I feel like I'm making up this number it feels too high but I'm pretty sure they had like 200,000 followers back well, then yeah. it says the because game it- was built over three and a half years so yeah it's yeah. possible yeah well I met them um, uh, at PAX 2019 and that's the first time I played it and that's what makes it wild seeing these photos of them like dressed up in their suits and the thing that the I love award. I love that it has a photo of Tim Dawson working on the game in his home in Tuwong and it's just yeah. like the most old school like setup yeah you know and it, yeah. it just goes yeah. to show like you know it's, a, it's kind of like a small monitor you know it's not like a huge curve monitor and it's like these rough looking speakers the desk's a little messy and they make a game that um, you know wins a BAFTA award like it just goes to show you, you can be someone in your home working on an indie title and pick up a BAFTA award. It's an inspiring story. Yeah. yeah. It really yeah. is. It really is. And it, 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 the, the concept is so simple. Like it's one of those games where it markets itself basically. Cause mm. sorry. Yeah. So you're right. Costa, Cause I'm looking at their Twitter now and Witchbeam, who's the company, they, it says joined October, 2019, but they, uh, 
unpacking was July 2018. And I remember that had about 20,000 followers, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe 2,000, I just remember the number two. But back then, like this is still two years ago at least, at least mm. two years ago. Um, but it just, everyone on Twitter just loved it. Like pixel art, like um, our mate Dan Freer, you know, everyone mm. loves his stuff. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's one of those ones that market itself. Like if you have to, if you have... If you've been working on a game for that long and it's not building up any momentum, a publisher's not going to do anything. <clears throat> like, you would know by now if you work on that game for so long. Because, you know they, I mean, Unpacking got published, didn't it? I don't know. What are we saying, Costa? I think we lost Costa. I oh, know. I'm back. I know. There he That's the biggest uh, secret, Costa. Yeah, like, you went. You know, you know what? what? And then drop out. <laughs> I was oh, no, Costa say, was about to reveal some like what? political secret, what? and they got to him. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, do you know I'm, what? How he was about like to unpacking? say when the trains are coming <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> how much of it is also, you know, it's a great game, and then also, also, it's timing. Like a game, a, a pretty zen game, came out in the midst of a pandemic where everyone's at home and. Everyone's a little bit stressed out, you know, because that was one of the things that uh, uh, Ren Breer mentioned as well, attributed the popularity of unpacking to its therapeutic nature and and not having games like that uh, until this, Costa. you know. Costa, you've got to stop yeah. keeping so, secret. Uh, All right. What Costa right now was people are say, looking for... <laughs> let's just pick a random quote. Therapeutic games. You know, Guess what pandemic. Costa was going to say. <laughs> He, he he was gonna say that um, Ren said everyone needs to listen to Cafe Booleans. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was their speech at the BAFTA Awards. Yeah, they said that's like, what got us through, even though <laughs> Cafe Booleans came out after unpacking. Can you hear me? I mean, we can. We can't see you anymore, but we can hear you. I'll disable my camera. We can hear the thunder. So I <laughs> did. I don't know what Paint everyone a picture got with your words, but uh, you said uh, Ren yeah. said. Yeah, Ren said that that the the game uh, won or attributed the popularity of the game to its therapeutic nature. And I was just saying, in a time where we have a pandemic, people are quite stressed out. I feel like a game like this, you know, it was a perfect storm, let's say. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very true. But um, best narrative... So, look, truth be told, I only played the... Oh, excuse me. I've only played the demo um, at PAX. So, um, is there a narrative in that game? Has anyone here played it? Oh no, I hate when this happens. <laughs> Unpacking. Yeah. 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 Um, there oh, thank is, God too. but it's like it's 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 kind of spoilery. Like I won't go into the whole thing, but essentially, like what you're unpacking and how you're unpacking it is the narrative. So what's uh, happening, like what items you're unpacking, what the room looks like, is the narrative. Yeah, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. that's cool. It sounds like a really cool idea. Mm, yeah. It is. It's this great idea. It's really clever. It's Yeah. It, I'm happy it won. Like, I, it should have, you know, like yeah. it's, it's because yeah. like you, there's cool narratives and other things, but this is a really cool new way of doing it and just calling on that environmental art stuff. Like yeah. that's, that's not usually recognized in things like best narrative you know that's normally what we'd expect for like a big dialogue heavy kind of you know like an uncharted type linear progression type thing Mm. that's really cool to see that kind of progress i guess 
And there, there was a quote here. I can't find it now, but it was something about um, how it shows how you can tell a good uh, narrative through just the mundane, and it sets a good example oh, for that. Cool. And yeah. it's uh, how I think I think that's great as well because I think opening up that as a possibility for people to make more good narratives in the mundane everyday stuff. I mean, it's, you, we can see so many games come out like. What was what? There was one I was playing recently, uh, and you got to remind me the name of it. But it was about you're like a barista uh, making coffee at this bar in like a fantasy world, where it's like the monsters coming in are dressed like just us, like modern day hipsters and stuff like that, <laughs> and and they're just talking about their lives, but they're also like slightly fantasy. And so you're you're like listening to your the clients, the patrons' uh, conversations and making them coffee. And it gra- gradually like paints this world and like you know the problems they're having at work and the relationships between them and that was another kind of semi mundane great narrative game that came out recently. I uh, tried that typing in really cool. monster coffee shop game and I don't think yeah. it's any of these. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds a bit like um like sucker for love like I recently got that and it's like a um. A dating sim, but it's like um, HP Lovecraft themed. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so like oh, yeah. dating, like Cthulhu called- type monsters. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Coffee Talk. There you go. Oh, it was Coffee Talk. Yeah. Ooh, I thought Coffee Talk cool. was um. Ah, uh, you know what? I clicked on that and didn't even follow it through. I was I was thinking that was that Twitch thing, um, but I think that's just chatting. Is it just chatting? Coffee you know, Talk. Oh looks yeah, yeah. Fun. Twitch is just chatting. Coffee yeah. Talk is the name of this game. Oh, I think, the guy, I think the, the developer just passed away very recently. Oh, really? Oh, I think sad. I saw something about that on Twitter. I think it was this game and people were like, this game changed my life. Like the stories and stuff. I think oh, it yeah. was him. Died Coffee. March 2022. Yeah. Wow, no. that's sad. Sorry to put it down on Talkie, that. But, um, he calls it a talking simulator. Yeah. It's Coffee Talk. That's how I found out about this. I found it because because he passed away. Mm. It's cool that you can build really a story well, I mean, out from just from dialogue and and things in the environment. That's always like really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. That's like like what I would love to do. Like, you know, with my life, I want to make one really good narrative game one day. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. amazing. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh yeah, you'll get there. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> he, um, Muhammad Fami Hasni, co-creator and writer of Coffee Talk, passed away March 28th from an asthma attack. He was 32 oh. years old. This is on the on the um, Steam page. Yeah, but what a le- as you said, what a legacy. You know, like you put that out and like it touches so many people. Like, look at the, there. There's a uh, 4,000 almost eight almost. 4,800 overwhelmingly positive reviews on um, Steam for it. And, I love how um, there's, a, there's a mode there. Seeing people can, on Twitter. Yeah, you could like serve the coffee, etch something into the coffee, pour milk. That's just so <laughs> cool. That's yeah, so like cool. That. I gotta suss that, yeah. And it's on sale if you're on the... Well, the bundles are. Um... I just saw as well on uh, Unpacking, they've been nominated for some Webby Awards. Puzzle, Strategy and Trivia, Family and Kids, Best User Experience and Best Game Design. Awesome. Wow, that's cool. The Webbies. You know what? I'd also uh, be interested to hear from them because this is a couple 
who made unpacking, right? Hmm. I, if we ever get them on the show, can we ask them how they like balance being like workmates on this passion project and balance that with their actual like relationship as well? Yeah. So I reckon that's something that would be really hard to get right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they argue, you're, you're putting that there. It's my collection. <laughs> just, just like real. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that's a yeah. I think. Well, I mean, watch this space. Look, oh, e- yeah. e- either way, in the picture here on this article by ABC News, they look incredibly happy, mm. and it is very sweet. <laughs> they do look happy. That's there's a thing that there's a thing with that, like because like me and my, like because my partner is a 3D artist and animator, and we tried to do stuff together, and like it only works if one of us has like gives the other really strict limitations. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. otherwise, we're like I'm like nah, you could do it better. Do this and this and this. <laughs> Or like, you know, he's like, nah, try this and this. And it doesn't like, it, it, once it's like both your project, it's too, it's too hard. Like yeah, I reckon yeah, it only yeah. works if one of you's like creative lead and one of you's like 100%. following the brief. Yeah. 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 Possibly. How do I, you, guess, I mean, over time you would hopefully gradually work out kind of who's better or more passionate about which area. And then you'd ha- there'd be so many areas where you just have to be like all right look i'm the less passionate one about this so i'm going to leave that to you and that uh, you make these executive decisions it's, yeah uh, mm. i think it's also and that's probably like, just not that's not just for couples that's probably for any creative team to be honest <laughs> yeah. yeah and a lot of it's mm, like nice. it's not you know the, the the tough part is that when you you know when you work with your with your partner you might have a certain skill that you know you're really into or you know it's your skill set and then it's uh it, it can be tough because you're both passionate about it but at the end of the day you know it might be your call given that that's your skill set that is the right call and because yeah. it's your partner it's like there's a little bit of te- like like you know creative tension in that um which yeah, i guess can be a little difficult to navigate I'm talking from yeah. experience for for designing a website for my you know with my partner and um, <laughs> yeah I've been through that. <laughs> awesome. It's a it's definitely a part of you have to you have to realize the project is bigger than any one person's ego, mm, and that goes right. both ways. That's right. I thought you were going to say you've got to realize the project's bigger than your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if this is just getting in the way, like. <laughs> It's time to find a new team. Yeah. You get me? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> we, should, we should move on. <laughs> well, the divorce um, is up the chart now. <laughs> uh, I mean, in some relationships, I guess one person would ab- absorb it all, just like Unreal Engine and Epic Games. Alex, <laughs> you've got a news article for us. Thank you. with it. Um, so Unreal Engine 5.0 is now available. Um, and by the time this comes out, if you're a game designer and you don't know that yet, that's okay. We still love you. You have a spot here in this cafe. (laughs) Where have you been? (laughs) Basically, that's what Costa said. Costa says, where have you been? Anyway, so I spent a little bit of time having a play around with it. Um, and it's, it's something that's like, there's so much to it that it's a bit, it's a bit, it can be a bit intimidating. So I recommend the approach that I did, which is um, just over breakfast over the weekend, I just put on some videos of just being like, all right, well, you tell me, instead of me 
exploring what's new about Unreal Engine, you tell me. And there's a Unreal Engine evangelist. For those that don't know of an evangelist, pretty sure it's a term in the tech world. It's basically, you know, what it sounds like. It's, they, I guess they, they're like, they're trying to convert you over, over, but you know, they're, they're just people that know the engine very well. Um, and they run tech demos and you have evangelists that are pros in different areas. And we'll provide a link to it, but there's a Unreal 5 demonstration by Chris Murphy, who um, I've met a few times. Um, I would love to get him on the podcast at some stage and, and talk to him because he is an absolute wizard. Like, oh my God, uh, I could I could fanboy on, on Chris Murphy, <laughs> but he is, he is terrific. Anyway, he's got a video on all the new features on it. So I highly recommend going to go check it out, but I'll, I'll sum up the stuff here of what he covers in the video because it's there's so much you know that's in Unreal Engine 5 that's cool but these are like the big things and this isn't sponsored by Unreal Engine obviously or there's no thing to it it's just this is really important for game designers game developers VFX artists now to um, know what tools are available to you for free um, again this sounds like a big ad for Unreal Engine and you know what it comes from the heart it's an ad from the heart um, so and this, the last point I've gotten here is something I want to actually talk, get your input on, John, because I thought this is amazing. So, yep. all right. So first, they got Nanite, which is their new system that basically, I mean, I guess it depends on how you use it, um, makes normal maps obsolete. Nanite lets you have like millions of polygons rendered seamlessly. So we've seen that they, they now work with, you know, Quixel's Megascan library. So they go out, there's, everyone's seen those red rocks like a million times now from the Utah yeah. desert where they scan them and they put them in. And he was basically saying, because they're so high res, these models, it eliminates Z fighting. Like you don't even notice it. And they blend in seamlessly because like when you turn on wireframe mode, they're just a solid pink color or something like that. And mm. you zoom in and it's millions of tries. Um, so the that, fact that they Does can that just, mean you don't get that weird buzzing effect when you got to... Yeah, uh, that's models overlapping. Yeah, yeah, that's the Z fighting because it's trying to figure yeah, out right. what belongs on top. But these just exist together. So I thought Z fighting was the new Dragon Ball Z game. But <laughs> go on, <laughs> Z fighting. Shut <Get> out. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So then the video also goes on to explain that you know you can package your game to do that in editor and then use the lotting system, so level of detail to reduce it um, on export so you can you don't have to have it run on mobile and, and burn your phone. Um, anyway, new other new stuff, Lumen, which is a new lighting system, um, which is just incredibly powerful. Poly modeling, which looks really cool. It's uh, Unreal's got, you know, already in UE4 a basic kind of modeling thing, but it's always been really expensive. So I'm not sure how expensive this poly modeling is, but uh, really great blocking out, um, you know, it's quick environments concepting new environments um and unwrapping uvs on there if you wanted to just roll with that and as i said watch chris murphy's video and even though what he makes is very rudimentary in the grand scheme of things when you zoom up close like if you're playing it as a game how would you know volumetric particles based on fluid sim so traditionally um you know particles are a flip book you know it's a bunch of images getting rendered so if you've got fire it's just a bunch of images just spawning from one spot and if you have enough in there it will make just a fluid fire well now they've got um 
and you know, I'm not across particles a whole lot, so I'm sure there's someone out there going, um, actually, they always had volumetric particles. You've just been <laughs> looking in the wrong spot. Well, congratulations, you win the internet. I will stay in my house. Um, we'll, we'll send you a mug. We'll send you a mug. You have earned that mug. When we make mugs, you'll be the first one. Um, but yeah, it's- We'll build you a mug in Unreal 5 with a new color. <laughs> yeah. And it, you can fill it with volumetric particles. Volumetric particles, yeah. There's um, uh, shape particles. Like you can put a sphere in and base your particles inside of there and, and stuff like that. There's uh, runtime virtual textures, which- so, which I, I was so, it made me so warm and fuzzy watching um, Chris Murphy do the runtime virtual textures because a lot of his videos in the past and like one of the favorite tech demos he does is how to blend like a rock into an environment um, with all these nodes and stuff like that. And it's the same principle. It's the fact that, you know, you chuck a, a rock into sand and have the sand blend in with the rock. So it's not just looks like it's just like sitting there on hard edge polys it blends the textures together but it's like a completely different setup to what it used to be so these are runtime virtual textures um rigging inside of unreal engine now so you know you set up a rig in a character outside of it but then full and node-based rigging and animation uh inside of unreal engine um which was just wild it was the thing he uses in the video of um he just it makes it look so flawless um, he's animating this giant Kraken tentacle, you know, and it's already got a bone structure imported in. So I'm not sure if Unreal 5 can do that. Um, and then you bring it in, but you animate inside of it. Um, you set the control rig, it's all node-based, but the big one, um, big, the big one that I want to talk to you, all of you about, but John about is Meta Sounds, um, which don't get confused with Meta, Facebook, all that. This is... Um, a sound library. I think it's, I don't think it's tied to Quixel. No, it wouldn't be tied to Quixel, but it's a sound library, but you can make your own sounds node-based. And I remember you, John, talking about you were playing with some program recently that made yeah. procedural sounds. Yeah, so I was actually looking at Meta Sounds the other day. Uh, oh, really? Cause, yeah, because I, I also downloaded uh, UE5 because I'm like, oh, this is cool. All right, let's see what's in here. And I had the exact same reaction you did, which was like, this is overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't like I've used Unreal Engine, but I haven't used it enough to know what's already there really. And so yeah, I got super overwhelmed. Um, but I thought, all right, well let's check out Meta Sounds anyway, uh, just to compare to what's already out there. Um, so I come from using uh, middle audio middleware such as uh, FMOD. Um, you've also got hmm. WYS or WYS, uh, which I haven't used, but is another popular one that in in the past has plugged into Unreal Engine or Unity. Um, now, Metasounds go, is this meant to be a competitor to those things? I'm not sure. It's a little bit different. Um, first of all, I would say it definitely isn't at a level to compete. Um, I wouldn't choose to use it myself with uh, what I've seen of it. Um, may I might have a shallow understanding of it, but it is definitely similar to if anyone's in the audience used uh, Max or Max for Live or any other node-based uh, essentially programming languages for generating audio. Um, now, this can be incredibly powerful because I guess what it means is that you can control pretty much every aspect of the sound from the game. So that is awesome. It is very powerful. However, you would also be starting at a very kind of fundamental level um so 
like it's kind of like I think the power is there if, if someone really wants to put in the time to kind of build something really cool but I from myself and probably most of the game composers I know I couldn't see them using it yet we would still be making stuff in our own kind of audio workstations and then exporting it and then possibly importing it as meta sounds but from what I've seen I would personally still be using FMOD well, do you reckon this is why they purchased Bandcamp recently? Do you reckon they're going to try and build a Bandcamp? Like they've got Quixel uh, assets through Megascans. Um, do you think they're uh, going to, they've bought Bandcamp, so they're going to have a library of Bandcamp music that you can import in? That is a like very, it, right? that's a very interesting concept. Or at yeah, least a marketplace. I mean, look, it does. I, I think, I think you're onto something. I think this is a long game. I think what we're seeing with Meta Sounds at the moment is like the glimpse of what they have planned because where it is at the moment, it doesn't really compete, I would say. It, you, there's no real reason to be using it in your game over traditional programming or anything like that. However, it is probably worth getting slightly familiar with because, yeah, you're right, they probably will bring out something bigger for each new version of uh, Unreal Engine that comes out. So. Do you think yeah. the goal for them is to just make sound design as easy as possible for people who also just might not be you know sound designers or i guess well, uh, yes yeah. I, I think this is the thing is it doesn't make it easy it's one of the harder ways to make it however okay. look maybe what they're doing so so i mentioned max and max for live uh, that's used a lot um in like interactive exhibits and kind of things like that so unreal probably in this way they're probably trying to make something that isn't game specific just like they've moved into uh, film and tv they're probably trying to expand their reach beyond <laughs> into all sorts of art installations so it's um, yeah. It, yeah it makes it yeah it's like there's no way to it's not a, probably a good tool to specialize in it's it's like they're poly modeling tools like you probably could build a like you could build a game out of it but it's probably more for someone to make a quick yeah, okay. um, prototype, you know. You you say that I I disagree. <laughs> I mean, I think look, I I'll be honest. I've watched a few videos of, and I don't have a lot of experience. So, um, if someone has more experience, feel free to say it in the comments. But from what coming from the background of using uh, digital audio workstations and then FMOD, to me, and, and then using Max, uh, which is the closest thing to this, this is advanced audio. You're, you're programming the audio essentially it gives you granular control but it it means you spend a lot of time working on something very small that to be honest it, at the end of the day if, if you spent a couple of hours doing something you'd probably be making basic synthesizer sounds which are quite basic <laughs> yeah so, um, no that's that's yeah. totally fair and, and the, in the demo that Chris Murphy had um, what he made was like a, it was still a really cool sound but it was a huge node network um yep. to to make it and i imagine you know someone like you can just do it in like five seconds which again might be that whole band camp set up yeah and it really depends what the end product is if if it is an interactive experience or if i mean it, it does open the gate for truly dynamic audio um at the moment our dynamic audio is pretty dynamic you know you kind of have to put in wave files and then you can change the pitch and you can change how they play back and loop points and it does a lot for it uh, but I guess this is where you would be able to decide each note that's played on a keyboard 
and which notes are allowed to be played would be based on what's happening in the game. So it is it is like a huge level of control, but I guess what I'm saying is I personally wouldn't use it for a game right now because from what I've seen, the tools are so advanced that it just would take too long to make anything that would help a narrative-driven game. <laughs> yeah. So, so, no, it, 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 I, it'll get there though, definitely. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, there's like that's 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 one of the really exciting things I see is um, that it's five point zero. Like when I started game dev, I, I can't remember what the engine version it was, but it was something like four point one two. You know, and this was like five years ago, six years ago, which maybe seven years ago, I can't remember, but it was like four point nine oh nine or something like the four point oh nine something something small, um, and then you see now. Like I didn't know anything back then, and then I'll I'll read how to on like tutorials and stuff, and they'll be like, oh, here's a here's a feature that came in four point one seven, and then you're like, you didn't always have that, <laughs> so you go like, oh, four point zero must have launched with like you know a frame of what eventually came out, and now knowing yeah. we're in the new frame, like there was stuff in that video, I was like, like um, something I've always wanted, and it's one of those things if you were to tell a a salty game designer um because believe it or not there's a lot of salty game designers out there <laughs> you say i want reactive water they're like oh, code it yourself like okay like that <laughs> defeats the purpose of unreal engine like if yeah, you're saying yeah. do it yourself your <laughs> yeah because it's really hard and you can buy them online and stuff like that but um and when i mean reactive water i i mean literally like you know um so in this video he had a tentacle come out in the water and he chucked the unreal engine standard basic what it looked like just the basic then new water material and i was thinking oh it's new water material maybe they'll do the reactive stuff like um people have programmed incredibly complex com- com- complex water like supports buoyancy um yep. supports edge foam you know around any object that you don't have to set it like it just knows it's there and it'd be very expensive i imagine and stuff like that yeah but when my gut told me when he showed the um tentacle thrashing in the water and like the water not moving at all, I'm like, well, if if I can see it, they can see it, which makes me think. Yeah. I reckon at some stage they'll come out with that, which just made me think. It's five point zero, like you know, it. I can't wait to see when it's. Yeah. What was the last one? Four point two seven. So or four point two nine. Four seven. So like, what five point two seven will be? You know. Get on this. So, so are you saying? Are you saying for like how expensive it is? Do you think it makes that much difference? As well, the it might not experience? be. Ex- it might not be expensive. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's one of those things where like, you know, you have like, for those Unreal Engine people out there, you have this like giant material node set up and it'll be like 127 instructions. And you're like, oh, wow, I thought it'd be huge. And then you make an alpha material and your computer's like, <gasps> <laughs> like your fan sounds like it got COVID or something like that. Um, but um. Oh, yeah, it might not be expensive, but uh, heck yeah, like the the time it takes to put that in to, to code something like that. And yeah, you could just buy the plugin, but there's so many things that Unreal have come out with that people built tools for originally. Yeah. That it's, and they're going in that way. Like they've got volumetric sky. So a friend of ours, um, a friend of a podcast, I should say, I remember talking to him once and he said he built his own 
volumetric sky from mm. scratch where it's got Rayleigh scattering and things like that. And I just said, I was, was in like, Unity, I think, wasn't it? It was in Unity, yeah. And I was like, yeah, but Unreal, you literally just drag, like, you know. It's there, yeah. It's just there. But he's, he's, he's a programmer, so it was like a matter of pride for him that he could do it. And I totally yeah. respect that. And, and I love that. But now they have, Unreal has volumetric clouds in there and you can shape clouds and, um, uh, so they're definitely they're building these environmental tools that are totally um you know to someone who's not building environments are like why would you like what's the point like just get someone to do it but the idea of having reactive water and having unreal do reactive water where they would do it right like oh that's that will change things i I think that will change things because it's the principle of what that means you're creating a particle that's reactive to other things you know yeah and i mean i mean Okay, well, quickly, I'll just say, when, when you're talking about people uh, making the volumetric sky in Unity, remind me of another friend of the podcast who I know <laughs> who had made a 3D game in Game Maker Studio, which is strictly Whoa. for, like, 2D games. Yeah, and I've, right. I've seen a few come out now, and I think they probably do similar things to what the Super Nintendo did back in the day with kind of fake 3D. Um, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess with all this stuff, like part of me goes, all right, look, it's it's ridiculous. I'll, I'll talk about Metasounds and say, look, the amount of work you got to put in is kind of ridiculous to get anywhere that resembles what you're doing in another program at the moment. But sure. I guess all developments in technology have been this way where it kind of seems like a lot of work for a little thing, but it accum- accumulates over time. And like you said, people are going to be kind of making their own plugins probably based on this or own projects and bring it out and then eventually it will be quite easy and accessible and um yeah totally 100 percent, i agree with you and 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 it's um probably there's people who aren't you know musically talented like they they just they can't do it but they're very logically minded so this is a new approach to music for them they can just be like oh like um I get nodes. I get, and that was that was another like really like I don't know real heartwarming thing of this tutorial of knowing Chris Murphy's work for so many years and how much of a wizard he is with nodes, yep. and then seeing him make sounds with the nodes, it was just this like uh, crossing cool. of worlds kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's cool. Are oh, you gonna share with uh, the audience that video and share it with me as well? Because I, I want to see this. I want to hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's. It's definitely great, and I said I'd love to have him on in chat because I've always just wondered how he does what he like. He's a I, I can't put any of a different. He's a wizard. There's there's a bunch of them as well. There's um, oh, who's their other evangelist? I posted it ages ago on Discord. No, uh, Sjord, Sword, Sjord. How do you say that name? Sjord. I want to give him a shout out. Sjord, Unreal Engine. Anyone um, who's that with the, all the nodes and the audio thing, it reminds me of like when I had my Nintendo DS and I bought this like Korg synth game and I was like, I'm going to make the coolest sounds. And then it was just like patching cables. And I was like, this is Uh, way too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is actually part of the draw as well is that it is when you do node based, it is similar to modular synths, which you might've seen people with big Euro racks, which look like they're in a fifties laboratory. And they're just plugging things into a And they're just like, like boo, 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 yeah. and like plugging in all these holes and you're like, what? It <laughs> is, done. I'll tell you, it, those things are like a deep rabbit hole that you can, it, it can get so much fun. But I, I always try to stop myself from going down there because it's that whole thing of spending 20 <laughs> hours to make like a five second 
<laughs> sound or yeah. something. So. That's such a good point. Um, but yeah, cool things coming out of Unreal Engine. Um, was there another? Was there a segue into that? Yeah. Um, so before on- you talked about <laughs> Super Nintendo, John. <laughs> oh, actually, it's really. I, I was actually going to say, can we add that to the um, thing? And then I realized John's posted that. Um, you got on that quick because I was like, yeah. Speaking of, Super yeah. Well, that, look, this is what you get for choosing an article an hour before the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're always as, as relevant as the news. Uh, <laughs> And this this isn't even news yet. This is a rumor about news. <laughs> um, Which means it's so news. <laughs> there is a rumor, uh, and we cannot confirm this because we don't know, but there's a rumor that the Nintendo Switch may be getting Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. Um, and this has come through a... <laughs> now I'm saying this out loud. It sounds stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, come, it's come through a leak on 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's, let's read this out and come, come for the journey with me um, <laughs> the uh, code names for the Game Boy emulator is called Hayoko and the Game Boy Advance game emulator is called Sloop and Sloop, Sloop the Sloop icon is a sailboat um, <laughs> so yeah may or may not be true um, however people are speculating this is actually true because as we've seen uh, uh, Nintendo's released Nintendo 64 games and you need the uh, expansion subscription to play that. So if this is true, it would probably be under the, the same thing. Um, now, I I thought this was interesting because like, personally, lately, I've been going through a bit of a Game Boy Advance phase, which talked about a bit about on the last episode, been doing some of that music um, and just released an EP in Game Boy Advance style on my uh, YouTube channel. Yes, you um, did. And it's really but, good. Uh, I've also... Thank you. <laughs> the other thing I've been doing is uh, sorry Nintendo I'm going to admit that I've jailbroken my 3DS <laughs> um, dare you. now that you've taken down the 3DS store <laughs> and I've been playing <laughs> Game Boy Advance ROMs on that uh, and Shigeru I'm actually Miyamoto really enjoying is literally going to show up to your house now <laughs> yeah well look let's say ROM, ROMs are legal as long as you own Dang the original it. game and I definitely do true. own some of those games <laughs> Uh, yeah and look i've been having a lot of fun with that and i've also been really enjoying i guess some of the great game design that happened in let's say limitations with those older game formats um so i guess yeah like looking at this do you you guys ever play retro games do you enjoy it um or do you play more recent stuff what do you prefer yeah, I, I think that's the fun part about having kids because yeah. like my my oldest, he's 11 now and he's like a Nintendo, like huge Nintendo fanboy and now he's just found like the 64. Mm. So oh, like wow. he's like, I'm like, oh, try GoldenEye, yes. you know, and I'm like, oh, let's try this. Like, what's it like? So now he's he's really into that. So I kind of like get to, to do it again. Like. What does he think of the frame rate? Because I've heard that kids today struggle to play the N64 because the frame rates are like, you know, 20 FPS and stuff like that, yeah. that, that it makes it's- them kind of dizzy. There was, well, there was a weird thing when we first plugged it in where it was like really, really bright. Like, and I was like, oh, that's weird. And I Googled it and it was like our TVs now can't handle, like back then they had the same cables for PAL and NTSC, but now the cables can't handle it. Oh. So I got 
I got like a power cable plugged it in and it fixed the brightness thing. And the, the refresh rate is still, like you said, like pretty slow, but he doesn't seem to bother, but like mine, but it also like, it now made it full screen, whereas before it was letterboxed. Mm. Ah. So it looks, it looks pretty good with the new cable. Like, like it looks better than I remember 64 looking. The worst yeah, is cause, a GoldenEye 4 player. The frame rate on that. Oh, yeah. Throw in a couple of explosions. Uh, and you, you go down to like three <laughs> frames per second. Yeah. Oh, man. I've only got two controllers. Otherwise, I'd try that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, those split screen yeah. games, you're basically rendering the game four. You're rendering the game four times. But I know that with Unreal Engine, if you made a split screen multiplayer game, you're not only rendering it four times, you're rendering the materials five times or something. Because it's got something to do with like... So if, if you were all looking at the same object in Unreal Engine on a split screen, uh, it has to compile the material on all of them. And then I think it has to compile the material on everything at the same time. So it's like you do it five times. So it runs wow. five times slower or something like that. Wow. wow. You know, that just reminds me of the yeah. last time that I played Nintendo 64. Um, so I cranked it out. This was a few years ago and played uh, Banjo-Kazooie. And I was playing and I was like, oh man, this the frame rate is like a bit slower than I remember. And as I was playing, it got slower and slower and slower. And eventually it just oh, stopped on a frame and the music stopped. What? I was like, oh no. And I turned it off it's a and turned it back bastard. on and nothing nothing happened. And my Nintendo 64 was dead. Oh, what? Just oh, no. wi- witnessed its Damn. death live. <laughs> That's cool. Is it? Was it the power supply? <laughs> That's not cool, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, it was, it was kind of cool about that. You you just saw it, an old friend die. No, it was actually funnily enough. It wasn't the power supply because I ended up giving that power supply to a friend so they could play Nintendo sixty four at a party we were having. <laughs> so, oh wow! Yeah. So I wonder what it was. The, ra- the, uh, the I, ram. The I ROM? guess it was just old and yeah, something must have overheated in there. Um, yeah. So look, we've we've laid that to rest, and this is where emulation is good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's well, the thing. yeah. You can always get like, I played Banjo Kazooie on uh, the Xbox on Rare Replay, and that, and that was like a really good experience. It was quite yeah. smooth, and I think that was on Xbox Live Arcade. So yeah, it's it's always better to. I mean, it's not always better. Like, you know, if you like the the nostalgia of the sixty four and the controller and everything, then play it on there. But it's good when we can have uh, games emulated. As as long as they're actually better uh, quality than uh, yeah than the original, just like Nintendo, yep. I've heard has yep. had a lot of issues with their emulators, especially on Nintendo Switch with the sixty four games. They just don't run as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard. They don't run as well as the originals. Like run yeah, even worse. I think there's all these issues. There's like textures <laughs> missing and all these things like that. Mm. But you know how like people seem to put a lot of effort into emulating sixty four stuff, but yeah, like yeah. you know, like there's hardly any like PS one. Like I know I'm alone in my Sony fandom yeah. here, but like <laughs> I wanna play Buster nah. Groove and you can't get it, you know, like mm. <laughs> people just don't seem to put the effort into PS one so maybe it's harder or I don't know. No, I th- I th- yeah, I think PS one's actually easier in terms of emulation. Mm. Maybe wow. it's just uh Sony not um, putting it on their platform. They've, there's actually I've been yeah. seeing some things like Sony pulling things before, like if they re-release something. I saw this on Twitter. I think it was from Modern Vintage Gamer, 
if they if a company intends to re-release like a game they'll they'll basically pull the uh original version that they had on the playstation network so that you have you're almost forced to rebuy it or you can't yeah yeah, like some pretty bad practices like that or like i think Mm. it was san andreas got san andreas got a re-release and they pulled the original version so you have to play the the new remastered version which again was riddled with bugs and all these other issues Mm. lost john (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and uh i mean the the switch have had that with their um their games their n64 games that have come out onto their what do they even call it the virtual console whatever the the switch equivalent is because they're all running emulation and then badly as well like having the zelda with the low frame rate and stuff i was just looking at a a list of the games that they've found in the game boy advance emulator for switch um zelda minish cap yossi island warioware warrior land 4 test sound 1 test debug i love that game test debug Test Alien Suite, Test Test Twenty Forty P. There's a lot of tests. Makes me feel like I don't know if someone faked it. Went to a lot of work to fake it by coming up with all these test things. Metroid games mm. in there, Mega Man's, Mario Tennis, all this stuff. It's pretty cool. Oh, Mario Tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there like on every every console ever? There's a Mario Tennis like. I love. Mario I think tennis. so. I think you're. How right. many do you need? Plus, <laughs> like, like you don't really? say anything about Mario Tennis. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Love my Um It's a good point. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, and because they're not really, they're pretty confined about how they can reimagine it. Um, but uh, to John's point, when he was saying, uh, it, "Let's," I'll continue this in memory of him because he's left the cafe for a bit. Um, yeah, I, I kicked myself out this time. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> <it, Ooh>, <laughs> back from the dead. Not like my Nintendo. Oh. Yeah, you're streaming from your Nintendo. <laughs> I am, I am, I am streaming. You have that I, Japanese hardware that lets you connect to the internet. <laughs> no, this isn't, um, a, this isn't a Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as retro games go, I would love to still be playing retro games. I don't have any of the consoles anymore that, that can do it. Um, but I spend all my time watching ZFG, which is a, a ZFG one, I should say a Twitch streamer who just streams Ocarina of Time, but speed runs it. Um, what plays, uh, the different mods you can get for it. Not as in like graphical mods, yeah. like, because the game's like what, like almost 25 years old. So they got to come up with new ways of playing it. Yep. And I just, Oh my God. Z- I've even got my housemate. I mean, not that she's watching it as well, but like when I've got it on, She's like, his voice is so relaxing. Like, it's just so zen. <laughs> I was just going to ask, is it therapeutic for you to watch it? It's super therapeutic because the game isn't... It's, it's like not nostalgia what we play. as well? Yeah, so they'll, they'll, play, they'll come up with these different ones. Like, so you've got Ocarina of Time Randomizer, which is basically... depends what the rules are. At its max settings, Randomizer is you go through... Everyone who's... You all played Ocarina of Time? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You exit Link's house in the start. Nope. You actually come out at the bottom of Lake Hylia. You're like, oh, <laughs> crap. All right. I go back into that hole in Lake Hylia. Nope. Now I've come out of some door to go into the fire temple. Like, uh, But you have to remember those cool. paths. Um, and because of that, yeah. you have items that you can't do. And then there's no logic randomizer, which means it does exactly that. But um, 
there's a risk you can't finish the game yeah. because like a key item is stuck behind the door of somewhere <laughs> where you need to get into there. So you watch streams of his that go for eight hours and he's like, I can't finish this game. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> or because of that, they'll figure out a new glitch for it. And it's it's super crazy. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I, yeah, I've so done it, the Pokemon randomizers and stuff like that. And there's oh, like, so good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It really does help revitalize like an old game that you've played a lot yeah and nintendo has not been good for communities like um they are not they're supportive of the communities they want to succeed um so you know they love uh if you're a what's it, splatoon fan that's awesome for you but if you're a smash brothers fan bad news for you <laughs> unless you like splatoon one then you're a oh yeah you're in big trouble <laughs> <laughs> That just reminds me of um, some of the old glitches people would do in the in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on the 64, where the glitch involved you half pulling out the cartridge, um, oh, so it was like freak out. <laughs> so it would like not read properly, and you could walk through certain walls, and people would do it to get. Is skip, this skip. in? Is this in um, Super Mario 64? Uh, it it's happened, in a bunch of them. It happened in a lot of Nintendo 64 games because you could physically pull out the cartridge. I just figured out what my kid was doing yesterday. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I was super- like, Jay, why are you pulling the cartridge half out? You've got to break it. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in the room and he's like, uh, pull it. <laughs> were they like full on, were the characters like trying to clip into the ground and like yeah, moving it's all that sideways kind of stuff. and stuff like that? I, I could never get it working. So Mario, 60, yeah. Mario 64 and... Um, Ocarina of Time run on the same engine. Um, and it's like this awesome story of the fact that the developers of um, the N64 hardware, well, the graphics chip was Silicon Graphics, which is an American company. Um, and then they said, all right, here's your Nintendo, de- you know, whatever, here's your card to the Japanese developers when they're making the first games like Mario 64. And they didn't provide them with a Japanese translation. So... The developers, when they're making Mario 64, Shigeru Miyamoto has said he reckons Mario 64 is running on like 40% of the um, engine's power, whereas Ocarina of Time, which got developed a few years later, well, it was started at the same time but came out later, is using about 80 to 90%, and they had to rewrite so much of it. It's basically, he reckons, a different engine, but the base of it is the same, um, just more powerful. So it would make sense that those two things are happening in both... The, I think... Goldeneye even, does the same yeah. thing. If even you uh, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. I remember like in a couple of levels, there was like, I can't remember the level, but you would drive out of like a cave and you had to uh, do, like you had to drift exactly into the corner of the the ramp that goes like out of the cave to basically fall through the, the you know, the, the join. And then uh, you'd end oh, up like, yeah. you'd get picked up and then end up at the at the end of the the lap. So you basically lap yeah. everyone. <laughs> like it was just all these little things like that. That stuff. I so wonder cool. if like those things like you know pulling out the cartridge and playing around and stuff inspired that um you know that Metal Gear Solid thing where you got to unplug the controller. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if people playing with that were like, oh, let's do something with that your hard work because like that was amazing at the time, right? Yeah. Like, that blew everyone's minds. It gave me nightmares. Bloody, what's his name? Uh, Psycho Mantis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. the one that would. We'll all have nightmares about Psycho Mantis <laughs> forever. <laughs> Is he the one that would read your memory card as well and like tell you the yeah. last game that you played? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was great. And he'd be like, 
it, they had to be Konami games. So, like, right. for Western audiences, he'd just be like, hmm, your mind is completely clean. <laughs> but then you watch the thing, the actual ones of it working. I don't know any Konami games, but it'd be like, so you like to play, I don't know, like some game you've never heard. Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, the previous Oh, my God. Anyway, John, what, what's, uh, what's some retro games you play? Um, well, so... Uh, as you've probably heard me say several times, I'm a huge fan of Final Fantasy XII, which is back on the PlayStation 2 and has now been re-released on every platform. Uh, but the uh, the guy that kind of wrote most of the story for that and the main composer for that have been working together for a long time. Um, and they worked on uh, the original Final Fantasy Tactics and uh, mm. another game series called Tactics Ogre, which I think... Uh, all these are like Japanese titles that t- turned English sound really weird to us, but um, probably meant something really cool in Japanese. Um, but they're like these old retro games which had, you know, kind of really interesting kind of strategic gameplay, fantastic soundtracks, uh, visuals look good, and the story is like incredibly political. And like we're talking like Game of Thrones kind of level stuff in a lot of these. It's kind of like. Uh, Really political, really interesting, um, a lot of fantasy in it. Um, and this is all done just on these old, now we would look at real backwards retro games. Um, and so I guess I, I'm looking out for stuff like that, you know, kind of hidden gems where there's a real deep world there and like a, a lot to kind of explore and um, engage with in the limitation. Um, but as I was saying last time, I think whether it's nostalgia for me as well. I, I actually just really like the style and I think part of it as well is just because Game Boy Advance and around that time was probably when we all were, we were very practiced at doing pixel art and kind of like uh, limited music and stuff like that. So it's just a very kind of polished look to me for pixel art. So there you go. Yeah. Well, they- and, and rant. <laughs> And right, no, <laughs> cool. there was a big development, I think, in pixel art with, I think it was the Game Boy Advance, um, because they could support um, alpha textures. So you look at the old Pokemon games, like as in like you look at the Game Boy, first game generation Game Boy Pokemon games, you know, you'd have a tree sprite and then it's blank all around the corners. Like it's just yep. a tree in the middle and then just nothing there. Yeah. Then you look at Fire Red and stuff like that it isn't just like a square sprite like it is uh, but it can now support alpha transparency so you can see through it that oh which is why you could actually right? walk there behind it definitely was yeah yeah Did that's game another Boy one Color have that? no no Game Boy Colors I'm pretty sure running the same um, engine uh, like not engine but you know the same hard uh, maybe I, I just fall and said no and don't know but because <laughs> it was I, th- I mean Game Boy Color you couldn't I don't think you could you couldn't play color games on the Game Boy, but you, yeah, it was like an in between step between the the Game yeah. Boy and the the Game Boy Advance. It was I'm a pretty. It's a weird I'm pretty one. sure it's it's the run, it's running similar color hardware. Movie. Like the color is yeah. different, but I think you still couldn't do that because no, no, you couldn't have because I because those Pokemon games I don't think worked on the original Game Boy, did they? Which ones? The Game Boy uh, Color ones? No, no, no. But like you no, know, because I think all the. Pokemon games came out on Game Boy Color. No, I think no, Game Boy. Game Boy. Uh, I mean, Pokemon uh, Red and Blue were on the original Game Boy. Were they? 
Yeah, I think so. Sabbity I was playing time. Pokemon You're Jingle right. on the Game Boy Color yesterday. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> OG Hardware. Hard color. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You can yeah. certainly flip up those pinballs with Pikachu. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it came out on the original Game Boy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Game Boy Color. I don't think it did. It was, a weird, it was like a weird stepping stone that get a Game Boy Color in mm. between the two. Yeah. What was that, uh, the little handheld Game Boy Micro or something? Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, that's such a cool one. And I, I never got that one, but uh, nah, apparently no one they, got one. they became uh, really rare, apparently. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I haven't seen those in a long time. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Al- Alex just choking on his Cafe Bullion's beverage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these pixels are so sharp. <laughs> All right, let's. All right, Costa, speaking of retro gaming. Speaking yes. of retro gaming, Sega is rebooting Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio, oh, and yeah. a bunch of other games. Uh, and this comes from an article uh, from Bloomberg where a big-budget Crazy Taxi is set to be released potentially in two to three years. And it follows Crazy this... Uber. Sega, yeah, it follows uh, Sega's Super Game Initiative, which seems to be uh, an aim to build new revenue streams. So, Sega is basically tapping back <clears throat> into its catalog in search of global hits to try to mimic the success of Fortnite, apparently, which is what's being said <clears throat> according to people familiar with its plans. Um, the two titles in this in- initiative are going to be, like I said, Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio. Um, but yeah, they're trying to copy this kind of business model that Fortnite has, which is free to play, available across platforms, and hosts large multiplayer contests and includes extras like vehicles, construction, and social events on top of the usual combat, spurring players to purchase uh, in game items. So a lot of this comes from. Uh, you know, it's it's rumored. A Sega spokesman hasn't uh, said, said the company has no comment to make at the at the time, but a lot of this seems to be spurred on by uh, the uh, Sega's stock is dropping quite quickly because of uh, COVID nineteen. The main way that Sega usually gets its uh, revenue is from pachinko and uh, kind of patchy slot machines as well um and a lot of that is dropping now due to COVID-19 restrictions and that kind of stuff so a lot of the arcade machines and the pachinko machines um, aren't generating as much revenue as uh, they had hoped so I think they're part of this is uh, them betting on you know digging out what they have and and trying to uh, make some new games and experiences with it so Sega has partnered with Microsoft as well in November of last year um, for this project, this super game development, um, by using its Azure cloud platform and potentially setting the stage uh, for the addition of those titles to maybe Microsoft Game Pass as well. Um, And it again, it'll kind of say that the duo will, uh, quote unquote, reimagine how games get built, hosted and operated with the goal of adding more value to players and Sega alike. So I read up a, bit, a little bit more on this super project is, is what they're working on, but appears to be several AAA titles. 
that they uh, have in development and they're trying to apparently find titles that go beyond the traditional framework of games um, and this also ties into the fact that Sega has also been uh, or I think announced Sega NFT and it is possible that this technology may be used in the upcoming super game titles um, so potentially trying to tie these games together in some kind of way um, and yeah try to build these uh, these different titles I think the person that's leading super this super initiative is uh, Shuji Utsumi um, a former PlayStation executive and uh, he, I think he's recently come to the company to spearhead this kind of project but uh, the plans include four titles uh, and uh, the company said that its European studio is working on a first-person shooter super game um, and again the plan was to offer content and services that can create a large community and as much as 780 million dollars in lifetime revenue and again this is pretty business uh, driven from what these articles are, are you know saying um, but good to see that crazy taxi is coming back and just at radio because <laughs> yeah we haven't seen releases in those series mm. in ages i Long i don't know i was costa i don't know if you can clarify i feel like i'm missing something here what part of this is Fortnite killing uh-huh. well yeah who knows i mean i guess they're going to try to use these ips to i don't know take take the take the series in a different direction perhaps where they can facilitate online community um i mean if you think about jet set radio that would be kind of cool if i could skate around with other people yeah, and you know graffiti, you I, know different parts, and you know maybe there's an, an aspect of it where you kind of own certain areas and fight for certain areas. You know that's that's, that's a pretty cool concept. That would to be me, pretty but sick. Who knows yeah. which way they'll take mm. it? I'd yeah. say I don't know if they were saying this, so but call- it it almost seems like they could have these different games in the same super game. I don't know if the super game's like the larger metaverse game that it all takes place in or something. Yeah, like. I mean, you could have Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi going on at the same time. In the same, <laughs> That's yeah. what I was wondering, yeah. And that would be cool, wouldn't it? Like, imagine, you know, driving taxis around and some people are graffitiing in the same kind of universe. Or maybe you do one thing in one game and it kind of, something transfers over to the other game. Or maybe the communities yeah. are shared. It just seems Again, like I have a no idea what they're, what they're trying to do. Just seems like a multiplayer game where one team are on skates trying to graffiti and the other team are taxis trying to run them over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be a cool uh, game Brutal. to see. <laughs> I I love the if that's if it's what I think like what I guess we all think it is then that's awesome because because Fortnite is the is the one game like every as in everyone's playing the one game but you're playing with different IPs so you can be Master Chief and then you can someone else can be I don't know uh, Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead and stuff like that so it's like different IPs merging into one game but if you had different games instead of different just different characters like that's cool you know like literally you're playing crazy taxi and there's just these the world is just full of incidental npcs but what if those npcs were characters real people playing another game like it's like a crazy taxi mmo yeah you would need to play test the hell out of that yeah crazy taxi mmo just that as a concept (laughs) is hilarious (laughs) Yeah. That's just Uber. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yes, Uber driver simulator. <laughs> Maybe you pick up the graffiti artist to go from one you know, town to another or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if... This reminds me. I don't know if you guys heard of... Uh, Nintendo was working on a game I've where they took a whole lot of IP from their different games and put them into like a fighting game yeah. called uh, Super Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, this seems like some huge kind of version of, of Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Um, but I, I saw Sonic is also getting a new release this year as well. That is an open world game as well. Um, so for Sonic Frontiers, is the f- I think it's the first open world Sonic game yeah. um, with different biomes and that kind of stuff scheduled uh, for release in yeah, late 2022. So I wonder if this is maybe uh, an initial you know, game to test the waters of this kind of open world concept that they were, they're going for. You yeah. know how I heard about that Sonic game? was in a Twitter post where someone put up uh, the covers of four games that are coming out um, and showed how they're all rip-offs of Breath of the Wild <laughs> because yes, that they've, game they've all got the main character like looking out over like this <laughs> vast field. <laughs> but it's, yep. oh, like obviously it worked and it's cool and we're going to see cool, cool things, but yeah. Very much inspiration there. <laughs> I remember talking to someone about that. About I think I think I don't know if it was when the Zelda game comes out or like a Nintendo game comes out, but a game comes out like that, and then um, you don't see something similar for a couple years, yeah. but then you see all these clones come out because yeah, everyone was, played you know, that game. I was just going to add that the development of uh, this game of the Sonic Frontiers game started after the release of Sonic Forces in 2017, which also coincidentally is the release of the the release date of uh, Breath of the Wild, same year. Yeah, right. <laughs> ah. Inspired. Yeah. yeah. They're like, Dude, we, we need one of those. Yeah. Get R and D here. <laughs> but I, I, it's it's um it's interesting now that Sega's only kind of really trying to do you know dig out all of this old IP now that they're kind of struggling that their arcade machines and pachinko machines aren't aren't doing so well like this is really what it it took for them to you know be pressured into bringing back all this ip i want to know what happened to the pachinko machines that's wild that's that's do do we have a story on that is there like this feels like it needs to be a documentary like a full of pachinko oh was it yeah that would make sense yeah it would be covid yeah i would say when you go to those arcades it's like Machine, machine, machine. There's like hundreds in the one yeah. tiny space. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, actually, I think I've told you that story about like when I was in Japan and I went in the pachinko arcade and there was like more noise than I've ever heard before because every machine was like, and it was just like, I was like, whoa, like I can't imagine. I never thought I'd hear this many noises in one go because it was like hundreds of machines just row after row just making that noise. Is it the same crowd that goes to just like the the pokies here? Like the ones that just sit there and just they're not like all that stuff doesn't mean anything to them. They're just like putting money in. I don't think so because it's like arcades. It's like regular arcades with like regular arcade games, but then pachinko rows of pachinko machines as well. Is it eighteen plus? <clears throat> I like how you coughed know. like. You're trying to put on an adult voice, Alex. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> One, please. Yeah. How to adult? That's all right. I'll yeah, pretend to be your big I brother. Don't <laughs> I don't think it is because... Oh, maybe pachinko is... No, pachinko. I feel like I saw a pachinko machine in like the mall. 
There's the slots as well, isn't it? They're two two separate things: the pachinko machine and then the, the, yeah. the. I think they were saying that they were calling them pachi slots or something like that. Is is pachinko? Because I'm familiar with pachinko, but not really. Is pachinko a skill game? Because I think that's why pokies have to be 18 years and older, and why like certain competitions in Australia need to uh, have the gaming yeah. commission involved. Because if it's skill based, it doesn't count as gambling. Well, is that true? Yeah, it's it's yeah. not. It's like um, it's like luck. It's yeah. like a, yeah, it's like a poker type thing. It says here, um, entering pachinko parlors under the age of seventeen is prohibited by law. Well, interestingly enough, I just found an article that Sega, um, this is from January last year, but Sega is splitting into separate gaming and pachinko companies now. So they actually, they probably just went through and restructured its business operations to split the video games division and pachinko division into two separate businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this this was from last year, but this uh, reignited rumors that Sega is maybe looking at selling its video game sector to Microsoft. Um, and and again, like I don't know, maybe maybe that rumor has has a bit of weight given uh, they've they partnered up for this these new games that are coming out. Um, and and interesting because two thousand and four, uh, Sega merged with Sammy Corporation, which was the company that specialized in pachinko and patchy slot machines, and became the holding company Sega Sammy. So. Um, it looks like they're splitting off again in a way or at least trying to show mm. that they're splitting uh, and on that note also Sega removed Pachinko machines from Yakuza 4 and 5 um, and I think again due to anti-gambling laws and trying to maybe change its image with regards we're kind, to we're kind yeah. of gambling yeah. it like, in yeah. our killing yeah. game yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. well, you Sega and you shift from Pachinko but then you're Konami and you shift more yeah, isn't the whole like folklore that pachinko places are pretty much run by the yakuza? So yeah, maybe probably. if Sega owned pachinko machines, they're probably like, oh, maybe we shouldn't make that connection stronger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's so good. But yeah, interesting. All right, everyone. I think uh, I've I've finished my coffee. Yep. I'm uh. Get out of this pixel cafe. <laughs> they're, they're closing up. They've turned off the lights. <laughs> they're waiting for us to leave. They're like brushing around our feet. Like. <laughs> uh, they just brush dust towards us. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we need a question for our audience. What's our question? Um, What's our poll? We had the first one. We had one. The yeah, what Doctor was it? Who. I forgot. <laughs> oh, who's your yeah, favorite who's doctor? The best doctor who? <laughs> yeah. Who's your favorite doctor? <laughs> All right, well, let's do that. Do we have a game-related question as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, actually, maybe we should do one around. Which Unreal Doctor f- Who would make the episode would make the best game? Oh, <laughs> Why is actually, it? I really uh, like that. <laughs> that is a good one, actually. Sorry. What What were you going to say, Cosmo? Right? Pitch, pitch an open-world Doctor Who game. I was going to say about what what are people looking forward to most in Unreal Five, but I do like that one. Yeah, yeah. We can have a we can have a few. Yeah, start, yeah. A, start a couple threads. Yeah. I think yeah. Kathy will be okay with that in the disc. <laughs> Let's check um, with Kathy first. <laughs> yeah, chat with Kathy first. Check with Kathy first. I, was I, that Kathy? I thought you said. Yeah, no the, worries. Yeah, she yeah, says it's good. good. I thought you said the Kathy verse, as though the Discord should be called the Kathy verse. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> I say that with Kathy love, verse. Kathy. She deserves it. Uh, yeah, she deserves that's it. That's the Adelaide Games industry now where the Kathy The Kathy yeah. verse. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, look, she the makes best. it happen. The best. She can oh, have she the love title. To hear that. <laughs> yeah. She brought us together, yeah. <laughs> Great work, Kathy. All right, everyone. So poll questions can be, what is it? Favourite Doctor. Full Real Engine 5, your favourite Doctor Who, and pitch a uh, Doctor Who game so then BBC can steal it. <laughs> as long as they put it on the Acorn, the Acorn computer that I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> BBC Acorn Doctor Who. <laughs> All right, John, ring cool. us out. Awesome. All right. See you Thanks later. for joining us, guys. Catch you later. Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.